the city of splendors, crown of the north. And when a 300-year-old vampire walks through your door asking for you to solve their own murder, all of your preconceived notions kind of get left behind. So it looks like we've got our next big case, and once again, we're off to the posh nobility of the North Ward, but this time without the help of our Countess. So yeah, it may be called the City of Splendors, but to everyone else, it's just water deep. So last time you guys got the case from Duke Moraton, uh, he has contracted you to find out who killed him over 300 years ago, turned him into a vampire, a case that has claimed the life of at least one investigator before you. Uh, you got some information from him pointing you towards a historian in the North Ward who owns a bookshop. Uh, also to the City of the Dead, the graveyard in Waterdeep where the wealthier uh, citizenry are interred upon their demise. So, it's now the morning after you received the case. You're all back at the office, ready to start the day. So, what do you do? Ledger has just been sort of seething this whole time about the fact that that this case is happening in the first place. And um, so he kind of starts bickering with with Max in the morning. You know, I I can't believe that that you took this and you're just you're just putting us all at at, at risk with a vampire at risk of keeping the the lights on at risk of keeping us. Uh, how, how do you how do you bookkeepers call it in the black? We're going to be in the red all all over that city, all over the city of the dead. Get it? In the red? Ah! I see what you did there! I hate this place. I just... I hate this place. Cool. Well, I mean... At, at least it's freezing and the bodies will probably be frozen into the ground. If you hate this place, you're welcome to the door. Um, this is my establishment... You are here, um, thanks to Croc, and uh, you you have become part of our group. You've become part of our our little our little family. Um, I'm just as upset about the loss as the Countess as anyone else, but um, you know, we we have to keep working, otherwise we're just going to eat each other alive. And I know that you can probably knock me into next week but oh I would uh, never I feel like we work better together than we do apart you know what I mean Max uh I've been meaning to ask you about something too you know speaking of eating uh I heard something about a benefits package that Ledger had you want to elaborate on that a little bit that was all the countess is doing <laughs> Throwing the recently departed Countess <laughs> under the bus. Oh, no. That's the goblin nature coming out. That's the goblin <laughs> nature coming out. Uh, it's not me, it's her. She she took care of HR. I, I get it, Max. I, when I say I hate this place, I mean this entire city, this entire continent. It's it's not it's not your fault. Uh, and, and you're right. 
Uh, Did you just say it's not you, it's me? <laughs> because it feels, it's you know, so many words. this feels like a breakup. What's happening here? I think we should just get back to work. This weather's been too much. Dorn will come up and set a box of meat pies in between them. That was a great speech. How about some meat pies? Celine will scoff at the smell of the meat pies and then <laughs> sigh because she doesn't have the countess here to also turn her nose up at the wretchedness of the smell. These smell delicious. I don't know what you're talking about. I've heard that the ships from Chult can no longer get through the ice, so they've just started using sewer rats. No comment. <laughs> Max puts his meat pie back down. <laughs> Even for goblins, it's the rats. Well, they're all natural. 100% organic. Can't guarantee that. Celine is uh, also, while Ledger and Max were having their little kerfuffle, uh, writing down some notes on the Duke um, just to kind of make sure that she has all of the specific details of his appearance. Uh, just in case she might need it in the future for a disguise. I just imagine this list is something like devilishly handsome, <laughs> mesmerizing eyes, a faint hint of bat. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Doran's going to toss on his brown druid robes, like Friar Tuck type heavy robes. And he's going to say, all right, I'm ready to go. Well, let's um, let's figure out where we're going to go first. And Max will walk over to the investigation wall. The bookstore. Please say the bookstore. And uh, he's going to take the, the investigation mural um, parts that have been nicely and neatly packaged in the box next to the board and will uh, write out City of the Dead bookstore uh, and he's just going to put DM instead of Duke Moritan just in case anybody were to come in so that they wouldn't have a, a specific name for the client and then start pinning it up there and um, uh, he'll turn around and look at the group and say um, it sounded like as soon as we go into the city of the dead like we're we're pretty much stuck there until we figure out what we need to figure out there. So I suggest that we do some we do some investigating around the city, see what we can find out here inside the confines of Waterdeep itself before we hit the cemetery. Um I would like to see about maybe visiting Gilly at the Waterdeep Underpress and see what kind of archives they have and um, see how far back their, their investigations and their, their writing goes because if they have archives from that period, we might find some good information there and um, we, might, um, we might check with some of the local factions around town to see if they have any any of the long-lived um, races that have been in the employ of the city for that long. You know, find an elf or a dwarf who's been around for a couple of hundred years, see if they've got any sort of information on the uh, the city level before we hit the City of the Dead. So I wonder what became of 
Sparrow. And uh, also make sure that the board has the name Felix for when when we're in the City of the Dead. Uh, I seem to remember that being said to us as someone who might offer us some measure of safety. Yeah, Max writes all this down and starts pinning it up to the board. I wonder what we might be able to find out about Alma's family. I think there might be an important connection there. Well, where would we like to start? Should we um, should we head to the North Ward and, and hit this bookshop? Yes, the, the bookstore. Absolutely the bookstore. Celine will agree and uh, pull on her cloak. The ledger has a big, heavy overcoat and a um, cloak with a hood that goes over even the top of that with, um, with fur lining around it that looks very luskin. Outside, the the sky is clear, the sun is shining, but anyone who's lived uh, in an area that gets, you know, particularly nasty cold winters knows that that's when it's the coldest. There's no cloud cover to kind of insulate the ground. So you step out into just the biting, freezing cold, the kind of cold that just immediately hurts your face. The streets are relatively barren. Um, Few people are are venturing out into this weather. Even though, you know, the sky is clear, uh, the the weather is just, it's just freezing. So most people are trying to stay inside, stay warm. The few folks that are outside are bundled up so you really can't see anything about who they are, just wrapped up in, in layer upon layer of whatever warm clothes they, they might be able to find. Your journey to the North Ward takes you through the rest of the South Ward and the docks, and it's like that basically the entire way. Very few people outside, even the marketplace is pretty much deserted with only a handful of merchants, uh, and those typically the hardier of the the folk, um, dwarves and whatnot, braving this weather. As you get into the North Ward, um, you start to see more shops that are open, because they're not open-air markets. They're, you know, existing buildings that have wood stoves inside that they're able to heat the the interiors uh, against the, the frigid winter. Um, and the directions you have take you to Dweberson's Books, which is, I would describe it as the type of bookstore most of our listeners probably dream of opening with, you know, uh, warm, welcoming windows, uh, candlelight and, and lantern light kind of flickering out, uh, even in the middle of the day. Uh, the the door is the, uh, a solid oak construction. Uh, the entire exterior is just sort of this warm, welcoming uh, type thing. And the sign that hangs over the door says, you know, an elaborate script, Dweberson's, with uh, an open book uh, underneath it. Uh, the sign itself is is uh, pretty well kept. Um, it looks relatively new, and um, the whole the whole bookstore itself looks looks uh, really nice. Ledger's enthusiasm for this trip is boundless, and he's going to to rush through the door and step inside. Yeah, Ledger has heard of this bookshop, but he's never had the reason to go there. Uh, but it is kind of known as a more premier sort of rare and antiquary bookshop. Yeah, we'll head inside. 
So as you open the door, the interior is as cozy and warm as you would expect a premium quality bookshop to be. Uh, Row upon row uh, of bookshelves are crammed into this space and are almost overflowing with musty tombs of knowledge. Uh, A man behind the counter is hunched over a large, a a very large book uh, and and is inspecting it with a, a magnifying glass. Uh, very closely. What kind of man? Like, it's just a dude? What does he look like? He's scrawny. Uh, He's a a pretty slight man, dressed pretty nicely, Uh, but yeah, just like a human scrawny dude. Like, how old is he? Middle-aged. Maybe late 30s. Would this bookstore perhaps offer some place where Ledger could get, like, a, a, a latte or some... Perhaps tea. <laughs> like what? Is there is there a cafe involved? You're fired. There's a there's a sign behind the counter that says no food, no outside food or beverage. Oh. Doran subconsciously rubs his pack that has a meat pie in it. Ledger will just start browsing around the shop. Max will walk up to the the proprietor and uh, step up and say, um, "Excuse me, are are you Basil?" Uh, he looks up from the book. Uh, and he seems irritated that you're even there. Uh, and then he gives you a second look, and he says, uh, I'm sorry, there are no goblins allowed. Um, why? He wasn't expecting that question, and so doesn't have an immediate answer for you. No. He's almost, a, he's taken aback. Like, uh, like if, he, if he had said there are no dogs allowed and the dog asked why, that's the expression <laughs> on his face. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, hi, I'm Max. Uh, I'm the lead investigator at the Waterdeep Detective Agency. I was uh, sent here in the hopes that you could help us with an investigation. And he will present the business card. Oh, the business card. Always be branding. I think at this point, Celine will step up behind Max and just kind of stand over him after hearing the no goblins allowed rule. Oh. <laughs> Not saying anything. <laughs> Do you have a no tieflings rule too? Talia, go ahead and roll an intimidation check because I feel like there's something a little intimidating about that. Uh, yeah, that's a 19. Ooh, he's yeah. He he uh, is looking like he's about ready to say something mean again to Max, uh, and then he, as soon as you sort of position yourself that way, he looks up and stops and seems incredibly unsure about himself. She starts kind of whipping her tail like a cat again, just sort of staring at him, but not saying anything. Doran will step forward around uh, Celine and Max, and he's licking his fingers from that last little piece of meat pie he just ate. <laughs> and he, he's, we're legitimate, for real. He looks down at the card again, and he takes a step back away from the desk, and he leans his head over his shoulder a little bit, and he says, Mr. Dweeberson, you have visitors? And from the back room emerges another uh, man, um, much taller, very broad shoulders. Uh, he looks, we'll say, swarthy. Oh, I love a good swarthy gentleman. Yeah, this is a guy that gets a lot of sun, even though it's the winter, so you know he's traveling somewhere. <laughs> and he he approaches and he takes the card, 
and he says, "Detectives, huh? Well, what can I do for you?" Hi, uh, I'm I'm Max. Um, I'm the lead investigator at the Waterdeep Detective Agency. We have been commissioned by a noble who wishes to remain um, anonymous currently, um, and we're doing we're doing some research on a murder that happened quite some time ago, um, quite a few centuries ago. And, hey, uh, he- uh, Lottie, take a break. And the, the guy next to him uh, looks back and forth and he says, but I was working on uh, and uh, Dweeverson puts his hand on his shoulder and he says, nope, uh, you're going to take a break. Come on back in 20, 30 minutes. We'll, we'll see you later. Take a break. <laughs> And he almost pu- like pushes this guy out the door and then he closes it and he locks it and he flips his sign around so that it says, you know, we're closed, come back later. Uh, and then he he turns back around and he, he puts his fists on his hips and he looks down at you and he says, working for uh, Duke Morden, huh? Uh, you got it. Celine puts her hands on her hips to mirror him. With all this, Ledger will start to wander over. Yes, we are working for Duke Moritan. I take it that you have some sort of uh, working knowledge of what he's looking for. He sort of, he looks at all of you um, kind of back and forth. And he says, uh, he says, yeah, you could say that. I, uh, I did some research for him. A year or so ago. Interesting. Um, did you find anything that we could, uh, that, that might help? He, he squints down and he looks at you the way someone rolling an insight check on you might look at you. <laughs> Suspiciously? <laughs> he says, yeah, I've got something. Uh, what's it worth to you? Um, well, as the Duke is footing the bill, um... I guess it's uh, it, it, I, I don't know I don't know how to answer that um, if you're also working for him or were working for him um, uh, uh, yeah I, wh- what are you looking for what do, what do you need he says uh just a favor I am really good at handing out favors <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, boy do I owe some people in this city we love doing favors for people Yes, we do. I think at that note, Celine will look at Ledger and go, well, some of us do. I don't know what that means, Celine. What does that mean? It means you might be on your own in that favor category. Cool. Doran gives her a nod and a wink because he knows that she means herself. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll note that in your file for your upcoming... Uh, your performance review. One-on-one... Yeah, I didn't hear anything about benefits packages, so... Um... Uh, you have the benefit of still being alive and still eating well. The last time, we, we got quite a remarkable alarm system, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to talk to Adits about the vampire protection features, but the rest of the alarm has, has really been brilliant. Oh, I forgot about that. I had to build that, yes. and I never did. I figured it just worked however you say it works. We're locked in for like a <laughs> lifetime of added features, I think, at this point, so. Oh, yeah. I might be able to get some books out of this, too. Like, <laughs> let's let's just see where this goes. 
I saw a Volathamp Getarm original here. <laughs> I heard that those aren't worth as much <laughs> uh, uh, once they found out that he was faking everything. <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> he, he goes over behind the desk um, and he reaches down and he pulls out a folder uh, and he slaps it down uh, on top of that big book that the assistant was working on. And he leans down and he puts his elbow on the desk and he puts his face in his hand so that he can get sort of as close to Max as possible and stares down at him. And he says, you know, I wasn't able to get a lot, but uh, this could be pretty useful. You have to be careful though. As soon as I started snooping around this, I started getting uh, this threatening letters. Oh. Really? Do you have those? Do you, do you have them in your possession? He taps the file. He says, they're in here. Excellent. Do you want us to do some research on that, too? Find out who was uh, threatening you? I bet Doran can find them. He says, I'm washing my hands of this. As soon as you guys leave, that's it. I'm done. Uh, it, I, I shouldn't have taken this job in the first place. This is crazy stuff. Crazy. Ledger laughs out loud. A threatening letter. Oh, that must have must have been horrible. He stands up and jabs a finger at you. He says, hey, buddy, I own a bookshop. How many threatening letters do you think I get? Two. Z- zero. I get no threatening letters. Celine doesn't think he's doing his job well if he's only getting zero to two death threats. Um, <clears throat> side note. Uh, sidebar, quickly. Um, just a personal uh, curiosity. Do you have a copy of the book entitled, um, <clears throat> and Max kind of leans in close and, and says underneath his breath, um, Tusk Love? <laughs> he stands up away from you and he looks down and he says, We're not that kind of bookshop, buddy. Oh, all right. I'll, well, I've. All right. I've been looking everywhere for it. I'm sure you have. I, I haven't been able to uh, to make it to Chastity's Nook yet, so I will I will look for the book there. If you happen to get a copy, will you let me know at the detective agency? No. Oh, fine. Yeah. So he he slides he slides the the folder across the the desk, and he jerks his head towards the door. He's like, you can... Here you go. This is it. Wait, wait. So, like, that's it? You're just gonna give us your work and you're gonna kick us out? He says, I'll call in my favor later. Don't you... Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Oh, I know. I, I believe you. You're gonna... I believe that you're gonna call in the favor. Like, you're that type of guy. I can tell by the fake tan. But let's... Let's be serious here. If you actually did some research, I... You know, like... Help a fellow investigator out. He gets down. He gets down close. He leans over the desk. He gets his finger right in front of your face. And he's like, hey, this tan's real, buddy. This is a real tan. Inside check? <laughs> yes, please. Oh, my God. So that's a 18 plus 7. So that's a 25 insight. I mean, it's a real tan. Okay. Oh, fine. <laughs> but does he believe it? Holiday. Someplace warm. 
Max will look up and he'll be like, all right, George Hamilton. <laughs> the, the popular orc warlord. <laughs> is there anything interesting as Ledger has looked around this bookstore? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're seeing books that you've heard of. Like, they're, they're very popular titles. They're also old, like, very old books, antique books. Um, this, this seems like a very well-stocked high-end bookstore. I'm wondering if Ledger might be able to find anything about like nobility and genealogy that would be useful for um, you know to tie back to the conversation that we had. Uh, go ahead and roll a perception check. So while while Ledger is looking for books that might help us in our in our research, um, Max is going to try to reset the conversation and kind of get back to a more jovial, more sort of like, hey, you know, like you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours, sort of thing. And yeah. um, I mean, like, all right, look, uh, Basil, can, do, do you mind if I call you Basil? He says, yeah, that's okay. So Basil, look, we don't want to die when we go to the city of the dead to continue our research. So that's why I'm asking, you know, like if you have anything that can help us, that's outside of the file that you've given us, you know, help, help us out. Roll a persuasion check. Uh, is a, um, 16 plus zero. So 16, 16, that'll do it. That'll he, you are, you are successfully able to reset the conversation and Basil seems to relax a little bit like around the shoulders some of the tension goes out and he says sorry I'm sorry I was so intense you guys I apologize no worries he says this was this was a weird one this was an intense endeavor And I've been doing this a long time and I have never, (sighs) I've never gotten death threats. (laughs) Dorn will walk over and pat him on the thigh. He nods. He's like, yeah, thank you. (laughs) And uh, so Max will quickly like flip open the file to try to find the the death threat letter to see uh, what it says and if it was addressed from anyone specific. Um, So what you find, it's not addressed from anyone specific, uh, but in a very uh, uh, sloppy scrawled text, it just says drop it. Um, and then a splatter of red. Huh. Interesting. Um, and, um, were you, did you take this letter to anyone? Did you, did, did you, um, did you have anyone at like the gray hands or anything like that? Take a look at it. He says, I brought it to the city guard and they said they were too busy. They said they they weren't able to handle small personal squabbles like this. Got it. Okay. Ledger's role on the uh, perception check was 11. No, you don't find anything super compelling. I think what Ledger would want to know then is um, 
how Basil met the Duke. So I'll um, I'll walk back up to the counter and ask that. He says, you know, the Duke just came in here one day. Uh, he said he heard that I am one of the best researchers in the city, which I am. Uh, and he contracted me to find out, uh, uh, to answer a few questions. Did he? Did he do the whole cat and mouse about his whole identity thing? He says, yeah, he seemed to really be into it. He did seem really into it. Um, and, uh, so did he give you, he gave us his original name from his original nobility back in, you know, centuries ago. Um, were you able to find anything about about that? He taps the folder. He says very little. You have to understand the the not many records survive. He apparently came from a very minor noble family and not a lot of records survive from those sorts of of people. Uh Obviously, even fewer from the average citizenry. Sure. Um, much more from the the elite. Did you do any research on him currently? Current day Duke. He looks around as if someone might be eavesdropping. <clears throat> and he says, what I was able to find out was not much. I don't I don't know if I should even be saying this. Uh, Max would like to do an active perception check to see if there if he can see or detect uh, any anyone nearby that might be listening in. Uh, 13 on the dice, so uh, that's a uh, 20 total perception. No, you don't you don't see anyone that you think would you don't see any any active listeners or anything that overly concerns you about like any sort of surveillance okay Doran will lean into and he'll say don't worry we're really good at keeping secrets (laughs) 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 oh my god it's so true (laughs) (laughs) great at it um, Basil says, there are rumors that the Duke is one of the masked lords. No. You know, that, that tracks, that tracks with, uh, the way that he was kind of presenting himself and his, his whole story of how he, uh, reinvented himself over and over and over again, each time gaining a little more power, so. Fletch, how much do the detectives know about the Masked Lords? A fair bit. I mean, this is this is relatively common knowledge for the citizenry of Waterdeep, but I, for the average listener um, who may not know as much about the Masked Lords, uh, the government of Waterdeep uh, is largely anonymous, uh, and many of the decision makers are called the masked lords. They uh, are their their true identity is secret. Um, no one 
knows for sure who they are. The identities of the Masked Lords is a, a topic for great gossip and debate. Uh, there is one unmasked lord. The current open lord is Laryl Silverhand, but the, the rest of the, the government decision makers are masked lords, anonymous members of the citizenry that get together to talk about these things, to decide, make decisions. Um, and there is a rumor uh, that Basil was able to uncover that Duke Moritan is one of the masked lords of Waterdeep. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll keep that to ourselves. And um, and uh, don't worry. Anything we find out, we will leave your name out of it. He says, I would greatly appreciate that. I think throughout this entire conversation, Celine is just going to have like a very intense stare at him. She's very unimpressed by his cowardiceness against the information that he's found and how he's reacting to it. Yeah, he's not an impressive man. He's got an impressive tan. Impressive tan, not yes. impressive man. Where do you go to get a tan like that? <laughs> where do you where do you vacation? Where do you summer? Schult. Do goblins tan? Turn dark green. It's beautiful. Like an avocado. <laughs> nah. Nah. No, you lost me there, buddy. Well, the texture's right. Oh! <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> Basil says, I just got back from uh, a trip to Kalimshan. Oh, nice. Nice. Lots, Still lots of sun down there. Oh, I like those guys. They're pretty fun. Good in a brawl. Um, okay, so uh, do you guys feel like you've gotten everything out of Basil that you're going to get? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would like to thank him for his time and um, ask if he has any parting wisdom for us as we go and search for more information about this vampire. He uh, he points to the folder and he just says, just be careful. The stuff in there that I found, it is, it's pretty intense. So just be careful. That's my, my cautionary, just be careful. All right. You should just be careful. As everyone's leaving, Ledger's going to purchase um, a couple blank journals and um, a souvenir mug with the shop logo on it. <laughs> He's more than happy to ring you up. So on the way out, can, can there just be a sign that says no goblins? Because <laughs> I think it would just be hilarious if there was an actual sign that said no goblins. So you open the door to the bookshop, and as you exit out onto the street, you realize that the snow around you is stained a brilliant crimson, and that several of the tiny mounds of snow uh, are actually uh, the, the parts, the body parts of the clerk who was at the desk when you first entered. Oh. Slightly covered with a light a light dusting of snow that's fallen while you were inside. And um, standing uh, just across the, the road from you is a figure wrapped in furs uh, to, to protect against the cold and the wind. Uh, and he is standing there facing the entrance to the store from the sleeves of the, the furs that kind of envelop him, uh, just two 
meaty fists uh, that slowly drip blood down onto the snow at his feet. Uh, And as you exit, he just says one word that echoes through the empty street on either side of you, and that is Goblin. Hello there, it's Jason, your producer, and thank you for listening to this week's episode. We know that things are super stressful right now. I'm actually producing this off of a laptop at home, so if it sounds a smidge different, that's why. Uh, As always, I want to say a huge thank you to our friend Tim over at Tabletop Audio for the use of all of his sound effects and 10-minute loops. There is so much there, and there are so many brand new tracks to check out, and it's all free to use. So if you need stuff for your tabletop gaming, go check it out, tabletopaudio.com. And if you're so inclined, you can jump in and support them via Patreon. We are subscribers, and most of the tracks that we use are Patreon subscriber exclusives, like the music-only and effects-only tracks. So go check them out, give them some love, tabletopaudio.com. Also, I would love to give a quick personal shout-out to my friend Kat in Vancouver, British Columbia. She makes gelatinous cube soap with little bones and a full set of D&D dice inside. I backed her Kickstarter back in the day when she was first getting started. Her soap is really rad, so please go check it out, bugbearbubbles.com. We're trying to lure her into sponsoring the show. And uh, like I said earlier, this is a very unprecedented time. We're all doing things so much differently. So thank you for sharing a little time every few weeks with our show. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to sharing more mystery with you in the coming months as we all hunker down and stay safe. So again, thank you for listening. And as always, tune in next time for more mystery. Um, <clears throat> side note. Uh, sidebar quickly, um, just personal uh, curiosity. Do you have a copy of the book entitled, um, <clears throat> and Max kind of leans in close and, and says underneath his breath, um, Tusk Love? <laughs> he stands up away from you and he looks down and he says, we're not that kind of bookshop, buddy. Oh, all right. I'll, well, I'm, all right. I've been looking everywhere for it. I'm sure you have. That is a um, that's a uh, critical role crossover right there for you, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. We're just sticking with that CR content. <laughs> so on the way out, can, can there just be a sign that says no goblins? Because <laughs> I think it would just be hilarious if there was an actual sign that said no goblins. So um, Max will Max will say, um, I, I haven't been able to uh, to make it to Chastity's Nook yet, so I will I will look for the book there. If you happen to get a copy, will you let me know at the detective agency? No. Oh, fine. Chastity's Nook is a small but well-stocked bookstore located in the Tri-Spires district of Zadash, specializing in pulp fiction and all manner of trashy smut. This is a family show. This is not that kind of bookshop or podcast. Tusk Love, a tale of the saucy union between a half-orc named Oscar and the daughter of a traveling merchant as they meet on the Amber Road. They want to be together, but they can't because what would their parents think? <laughs> You're welcome, Critical Role fans. Thanks for sticking around after the special edition. (laughs) Hey! This is all going at the end of the episode because I'm not keeping it in the real one. 
if you know of a specific book, I could cast Locate Object on it. Yes. Um, uh, Doran, can you find t- uh, Tusk Love? <laughs> Please. I'll tell you what, next level, I'll, turn, I'll cast Locate Object, I'll turn into a sparrow, and I will find if there's a copy in Waterdeep for you. So, Talia, you are, you're, you're not able to find, Celine doesn't find anything in the bookshop that seems... What if she looks for things that wouldn't be in a bookshop? Like a magazine. <laughs> well, that's not quite it, Brad. <laughs> okay. Oh, that was pretty good. Uh, roll a perception check for me. Mm. That's a two, so I don't think she's found anything. Yeah, you don't find anything. That's very disappointing. You do find some magazines. Great. I'll give them to Doran. <laughs> <laughs> you think those are odd? It's a bookstore. <clears throat> you find uh, several issues of Albert Fancy. <laughs> oh, so you've got an Albert Fancy, but you don't have a yeah. copy of Tusk Love. I see. I see how it is. That's great. Which is great. We're not that kind of bookstore. Mm-hmm. Doran's going, you have what? Albert Fancy. That's my favorite magazine. He just says one word that echoes through the empty street on either side of you, and that is goblin oh shit but max is a goblin i'm a goblin (laughs) (laughs) did you mean me 